0: Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm a senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church, and I'm glad you're with us for our third installment in our series entitled FAQ. We're addressing in this series a number of frequently asked questions people ask me all the time via email or they drop by my office. And today, inside your bulletin, you will find an outline for today's question at the top. Why do bad things happen? Or people come in and say, if God is so good, then why, do, why does my life hurt so much? I mean, why is there evil in the world? How do you answer that? It's a good question. And today, Hope to give you some pretty good answers uh, from God's Word. And today's message, uh, oh, and by the way, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks on your outline, just raise your hand. Our ushers will be coming up down the aisles, and you can fill in the blanks, take some notes in the margins, and I hope you do that. Um, But today's message is kind of front-end loaded with some bad news, and we end with some good news, kind of a good news, bad news uh, message today. I'm reminded of a story of a guy who went to see the doctor, and uh, he asked the the doctor, hey, it was kind of urgent that you see me, what's up? And he said, well, I have some good news and I have some bad news. And said, so what's the good news? Well, the good news is we got your lab results back and uh, you only have 24 hours to live. And he goes, that's the good news. What's the bad news? Well, the bad news is I couldn't get hold of you yesterday. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, anything I say now will seem very enlightened. Okay. So uh, let me have a word of prayer for us. And then we're going to start. We're going to start with some bad news and then some good news about why bad things happen. So would you join me for a word of prayer, please? Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I want to thank you for the good news in your word. I also thank you that the Bible tells things the way it is. And uh, Father, I pray that today you'll speak, and move me out of the way, and we'll understand a little bit better about um, why sin hurts so bad and why pain and evil exist in our world. pray, Lord, that you'd move me out of the way and say what you once said. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. So um, I'm going to give you three reasons why bad things happen. In our world, first of all, uh, bad things happen because some of the pain and suffering in our lives occurs because we have a powerful enemy, the devil, who is tirelessly tirelessly seeking to destroy us. The Bible says we are not alone. There is a fallen angel among us, uh, and he has minions helping him. Other fallen angels. He's the ruler of them. He's the devil. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, said this: "Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour." used to live in sin, Paul wrote the Ephesians, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. There's a whole unseen world. There's a spiritual battle going on all around us. The devil is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And so uh, some of the pain and suffering in our lives occurs because we're not alone. There's a devil and there are demons. And Jesus addressed that candidly. The Bible speaks very clearly of this. The devil was the greatest of God's creations before he fell. In fact, the note in your outline says, the devil was the highest and best of God's creations before pride consumed him. That was his great sin. He was the most beautiful, the most powerful of all the angelic beings. And in Ezekiel 28, it says, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. You sinned, so I banished you in disgrace. I expelled you, O mighty guardian. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted because of your love of splendor. Isaiah 14, 14, we find another prophecy which tells us about the devil's heart. I will make myself like the most high. The created being began to think he was greater than the one who created him. He was mighty and powerful, and compared to human beings, he is much more powerful, much wiser than we are. But compared to God, no. But he forgot that. And so he wanted to have people worship, be other beings worship him. So he and a number of the angels were cast out of heaven. And now he's busy in this world tempting us and trying to twist and pervert the things that God has made in this world that are good and righteous. And so there is a devil and responsible for some of the pain in this world put that note in your outline about that the devil was the highest and best of God's creations because sometimes people also ask me and they say well okay if there's a devil well why didn't God make him out of better stuff so he wouldn't have gone bad well God made him out of great stuff the best stuff that any angel had ever been made out of the problem wasn't he wasn't made out of good stuff the problem was that he misused the greatest gift God gave him and that was freedom I mean, you understand, if God gifts one of you and me with a superior mind and we have brilliance at our disposal, a brilliant chemist, for instance, can devise a fertilizer that can help us grow crops that will feed the world, or he can devise a chemical weapon that will kill us all. It's not your intelligence that determines whether it's evil or not. It's your will and your choice. And the devil chose to use his beauty... And his wisdom and all of his power for his own ends. He became prideful and it consumed him. In case you're wondering, it's like there's a lesson in there for you and me as well. We'll get to that in a minute. So some of the pain and suffering in our lives because we share this world with a powerful enemy, the devil, who is tirelessly tirelessly seeking to destroy us. Secondly, some of the pain and suffering in our lives occurs because we live in a fallen world that has been cursed because of sin. Another reason there's so much pain and suffering is because the world is not as it should be. The Bible tells us in the opening pages that when the world was originally created, God placed the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, inside of a garden. It was ideal, it was perfect, it was paradise. And God and his two children, Adam and Eve, that he had made in his own image, uh, they walked and talked together. God's thoughts were their thoughts, God's will was their will, God's emotions were their emotions was paradise. And in the center of that garden, God placed a tree. And he said, Adam and Eve, you can eat the fruit off of any of the trees in the garden. Millions of them, knock yourself out. But don't eat the fruit off of this one tree. The day you do, then you'll have the knowledge of good and evil. And that will result in death. And so it was forbidden. But sure enough, Satan, who'd already made his choice to rebel against God came and tempted the first man and the first woman to see if they would join him. And so one day he tempted Eve and said, you know, God, did God say you shouldn't eat the fruit off any of the trees in the garden? There's so much fruit in And she goes, no, we can eat off the fruit off any of the trees, just that one in the middle. Well, why did he say you shouldn't eat that? It's like, well, we're not even supposed to touch it. We're not going anywhere near it. Because uh, then we'll die. Goes, oh, you won't die. God knows if you eat of that, you'll be just like him. Go ahead and eat. God, he's holding the best back from you. He put you in charge of the rest of creation, but he doesn't want you to have everything he has. Eat it, and then you can be just like God. And after Eve looked at it, it looked so delicious and made her so wise, she ate of it and gave some of it to her husband. Later that day, God came walking through the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve were hiding. Because as soon as they ate of it, they did have the knowledge of good and evil. They knew exactly what it was like to use the gifts that God had given them for their own purposes. They, too, had been given freedom. And when they ate, sin entered their hearts, and they hid. Well, God called out to them, and Adam was brought forward, and he blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent who tempted her. And a curse was put upon them all. This is in Genesis 3. God said to the woman, "'I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, "'and and in pain you will give birth.'" And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. She had tempted her husband to sin, and God said, Because you misused that and manipulated your husband, now there will be strife between you and the man forever, and between your descendants and his, and between men and women forever. And to the man, he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. You could have eaten freely the fruit off of any other trees because you insisted on this. Now you're going to have to work to scratch a living to eat. All your life you'll struggle to scratch a living from it. It'll grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you'll return. If your goal was to be like God, then I'm going to set a permanent permanent reminder in your mind. I made you from the dust, and to the dust you will return. And we will get this straight. And so now the world, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden, and the world they entered was a hostile world. Romans 8, 20, Paul says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. And so a lot of the pain and suffering that we have in this world is because we live in a fallen world. And that's why there are floods and famines and uh, lightning storms, all this stuff. And this is why that happens. And that's why we all die. And so... Because we live in a broken world. Now, I'm often asked, then, a follow-up question, well, then, why did God ever put the tree in the garden in the first place? I mean, why didn't he just, if you leave the tree out, they wouldn't have made a choice. It wouldn't have been hunky-dory. Well, God put a tree in the middle of the garden because, and the note explains it to you, because Adam and Eve, he wanted them to have a choice. Because love is always a choice. And God wanted children, not robots. I mean, you and I know what true love is. True love is a choice. On wedding day, when when I placed the ring on my bride's finger, I told her, I said, I love you, and forsaking all others, I cleave only to you. Forsaking all others. And I asked her to make the same commitment to me. No other guys, just me. She's choosing me above all other men. And I'm holding you to it, okay? (laughs) I'm holding her to it. I have every right to. That's a marriage vow. And that's what love is, saying, I love you. But it wouldn't mean much if there wasn't any other choice. I mean, think of on wedding day. I'm putting the ring on your finger. Will you be faithful to me? Well, I guess so. I don't have anybody else. Yeah, I love you too, baby. Wow. And love's a choice, or it's not love. And if you have a choice to love, you also have a choice to go another way. Jesus said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I'll love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Love is a choice if we obey. But many people insist, no, you you could still have a world. I just want God to create a world where I can make real choices, just no consequences. Where I can do whatever I want, be as selfish as I want, eat as much as I want, drink as much as I want, spend as much as I want, but never gain weight, never get drunk, Never have any problems. Never run out of money. That's the kind of world I want. That's not a real world. That doesn't even work in Monopoly. I mean, that's just not a real world. But if we want a real world where people make real choices, then there are consequences. And the alternative would just be machines. I mean, um, you know, God could have made us all cell phones. I want you to call me the most handsome man in the world. You would like me to call you the most handsome man in the world? Okay. All right, there's done. And then the next time when I go, hey, who is this? She'll go, well, you're the most handsome man in the world. If you haven't discovered that yet, it's really an ego boost, okay? <laughs> but it's not sincere. Man, John's phone thinks he's handsome. <laughs> My phone doesn't think anything. My phone just parrots back to me whatever I told it to say. Now, if that's all you want in a relationship, then, then and you're content with that, <laughs> I can't imagine that. But when you want kids, you want kids who grow up responsible. When you toss them the car keys, you want to be able to trust that they can drive and drive home safely. They go on a date that they'll handle themselves rightly. You don't want a machine that just parrots back whatever you say. And so if you and I want real relationships with a real God, there has to be a choice. There's a choice for good and there's a choice for bad. Now, there's another thing I want to bring up here while we're talking about this, that we live in a fallen world. Many times Christians feel cornered by this because they say, well, you know, what can I say? I mean, if there's a hurricane or a flood or a tornado... You know, then someone will come to me and say, Well, I don't know how a good God could let terrible things like this happen. I remember, it wasn't that long ago when this happened to me. We used to live in a neighborhood where I had a neighbor who would come over. And after we moved in, shortly after we moved in, he came over one day and said, You know, I don't have much use for Christianity and all that stuff. I understand you're a pastor and I just don't think the Bible's true or any of this stuff. And I have a few questions for you. And so from time to time, he would just walk over in the middle of the day. I'm cutting my grass and he'll just walk up and Got a question for you. Kind of play stump the pastor or whatever it was, you know, in his mind. Just walk up. And I'd just be doing my own business, washing the car or whatever. Got another question for you. And he'd bring up, you know, some, you know, politician or something who had, you know, was a Christian and how they'd made a bad decision. And what did I think of that? Or some other controversial issue. Well, on one particular occasion, there'd been a hurricane that had passed through. I was out in the yard picking up branches and stuff. There was just debris everywhere. And he walked over, and he had an armful of debris, too. And he said, okay, well, I got you on this one. So how does a good God let horrible tragedies like this? I mean, there's people, there are people who've died. There's billions of dollars of damage. How do you explain this one? And I said, so your question is, how do I explain such suffering and injustice if there's a good God? And he goes, yeah, I want to know your explanation. I go, well, all right, I'll give you my explanation, but you go first. Can you go first? I go, yeah, how do you explain it? He said, well, I mean, there's a low-pressure system that generates all this stuff. I go, no, 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 no. We're agreed on the meteorology behind it. You and I are completely in agreement on what causes hurricanes. You asked me how there could be such injustice in the world. And I'm going to throw back to you again, where did you get the idea that the world should be just anyway? I mean, if there is no God who created us, and if there never was an Eden... And because of a curse that things fell, why would you ever have expected the world to be right? How would I know what a crooked line was if I'd never seen a straight one? He went, I'm going to go start picking up branches again, okay? (laughs) Because this isn't going the way I thought. And I go, no, you need to hear my explanation now. Because I believe there is a God who made the world perfect. Because of the sins of the devil, the choices of the devil, and the choices of the first two people, our world fell. It is no longer as it should be. It's broken. And that's why people all around the world, when they hear of a flood or a tornado or a hurricane, go, oh my goodness, this is a bad thing. This is a tragedy. They don't just go, well, that's the way the world's always been. Get over it. Nobody says that. Now, how come? If that's the truth then how come people don't say that? Well, I mean, we're just trying to be sympathetic. No, people aren't just trying to be sympathetic. They really go down there and help, and they do all kinds of things, and they say, hey, this is a tragedy. This is wrong. The world shouldn't be this way. Well, that only makes sense if it wasn't originally that way. But if it always was that way, sure it should. It all happened by accident. It's not going anywhere and one day the sun's going to blow up and we're all going to die. The end. But when a tragedy happens, we go, hey, this isn't right. I said you get your idea of justice because there is a just God. And you get the idea the world's wrong because it was once right. In just a minute, you're going to hear a wonderful promise that God's going to make it right again. So the next time somebody tells you that all this stuff in the Bible, why is that even necessary? Well, it's very necessary if you and I are going to explain why there are bad things in the world and why it feels wrong when tragedy happens. Because it makes no sense to call it a tragedy if it's always happened, going to happen again and we ought to just get used to it. Then just say that and quit pretending to care for people. But if the world was perfect and it's fallen because of sin, then we want to do all we can to help alleviate the pain of the people suffering from those consequences. now that brings us to point three. Some of the bad things in our world happen because there's a devil. And um, I didn't even mention this before, but I saw an interesting thing on the History Channel not long ago where they were talking about the Nazis and their horrible treatment of prisoners and Concentration camps, I mean, just atrocity after atrocity after atrocity. And this historian, they asked him, Well, what drove these Nazis to do all that? And he said, Look, you're going to have to ask a theologian on that one. I'm just a historian because this this crosses the line into evil. So I'm not a religious man, but there's got to be a devil. There is evil in the world because there's a fallen spirit in this world, the devil. There is evil in this world because the first two people, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God, and a curse was placed upon the world. And so our world has fallen and broken, and the Bible says it will continue devolving until the end of history. Thirdly, there are, some of the pain and suffering in our lives can be traced directly to our foolish and sinful choices. I could be mad at the devil, and I could be mad at Adam and Eve, and sooner or later, i got to be mad at myself. Because a lot of the pain that I experience in my life is due to my own sinful and foolish choices. the same is true for you. When James was writing, he wasn't writing to Adam and Eve, he said, what's causing all the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have? You scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Wow. That sounds kind of like the world in which we live. I mean, this, this is all useless mythology. That sure makes sense. I mean, I saw a guy with a T-shirt on that that long ago, and it said, Bad things happen because you're stupid and you make bad choices. (laughs) And the reason some of us laugh is because there's some truth in that. At times we are stupid and we make terrible choices. Other times we're not stupid, we're sinful and wrong, and we make choices just because I don't want to do it your way. And this is better for me, and I'm taking it. I don't care what happens to you. And so then you have people that will pretend that they can live whatever life they want to live and their sin is their business. If I sin, it's none of my business, not impacting you. If I drink and get drunk and then I drive in my car that I paid for and I drive down the road and happen to slam into a school bus and kill 12 children, what does it matter to you? Well, it matters a lot because I care about those children. But it's just my life. If I'm an executive at a company and we can make the bottom line a lot better if we ignore a lot of the controls of dumping these chemicals in the river, man, we can get a better return for our investors for years, make a ton of money. What does it matter to anybody else until 10 years later the people downstream are all getting cancer? Hey, what's it to you? Well, if you live downstream, it's a lot. And so there's this lie out there too that I can live my life however I want, and have no consequences. But I want a real world with real choices, and if I do real good, I want people to really reward me. Just if I do bad, I don't want anybody to know about that or have any consequences. I want all the good, none of the bad. Is that a real world? The Christian view deals with reality, not fantasy. If anybody ever tells you, well, the Bible's just full of myths and fairy tales, well, if they're asking you to believe in a world where you can sin with impunity and every man's an island and and people can live however they want and it won't impact anybody else, say, what fairy tale are you believing? We're not the ones with a fairy tale. And that brings us to the note in your outline, our sinful actions have consequences for ourselves and others. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to reap his sinful na- sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. A lot of us when we're in college we go out and we're, I'm just sowing my wild oats and then we spend the next 20 years praying for crop failure. Yeah, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas until the credit card bill comes next month. Hey, that didn't stay there. Hey! No, it didn't, did it? It's important to note that the same free will that makes genuine love possible also makes sin and evil possible. The next generation after Adam and Eve, their oldest son, Cain, killed their second son, Abel. Cain and Abel had both offered sacrifices to God. Abel's sacrifice was accepted Cain's was not, and Cain became jealous, and he began to hate his brother. The Lord came to him, and this is from Genesis 4. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? You'll be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. But one day Cain attacked his brother Abel and went out in the fields, and Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. One generation from Eden, you have murder. Murder. Cold blooded, premeditated murder. How is that possible? Why did God create evil? He didn't. He created people in His own image, and He gave them a precious gift freedom, because He wanted them to choose to love Him. But if I have the freedom to choose to love, I also have the freedom to choose to hate. If I have the freedom to choose to do what's right, I have the freedom to choose to do what's wrong. This is a real world with real choices and real consequences. And any real love worth having demands that we be allowed to choose. Romans 6, Paul says the same thing. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? Please underline choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living. You can choose. And over and over again here, if you've been attending CenterPoint for a while, we're always going to bring you to a life application point of making a choice. Following God is a choice. Loving God is a choice, because love is always a choice. And you and I are going to have to make up our minds whether we're going to love Him or not. So there's suffering and pain and evil in the world because there's a devil. There's suffering and pain and evil in the world because we live in a fallen world. It's broken. There's suffering and pain and evil in the world because we're sinners and we make sinful and foolish choices. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. God has a plan to deal with all of it and set it all straight. This is point four in your outline. The Bible reveals God's plan to punish the devil overcome sin and evil, and restore creation. God has a plan. That's what the Bible records for us. God's plan to set things right again. Adam and Eve made a choice. The devil made a choice. Well, God made his choice too. First of all, let's start with the devil. God will punish the devil forever in hell. Jesus said that hell, the lake of fire, was created as a place of punishment for the devil and his angels. Revelation chapter 20, a glimpse of heaven is given And also the ultimate fate of the devil is proclaimed here. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. And there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the devil gets his. There will come a day when things are set right and the tempter will no longer be able to tempt. The deceiver will no longer be able to deceive. The great liar will not be permitted to speak one more lie. The life application for you and me is this. If we know that the devil is a liar and he's a fallen angel, and we know that one day he'll be punished forever in hell, then we must resist the devil and pray for protection from his schemes. Jesus said when he speaks, he always speaks in lies, because lying is his native tongue. He's the father of lying. He invented it. And if we know that that's the case, then we must resist him. Jesus also told his disciples, when you pray, pray this way. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We can pray for protection. We can stand against him. And it's another reason that people have these blue shirts on. We want to remind you that you and I can be in a small group. We talk about connect groups here. We talk about the advantage of the connect groups are these. You can have connection and build new friends. You can have protection and growth and you can serve well the protection comes out of this area where you and i need protection from the devil and his schemes one day my boss makes me upset and i go home and i'm mad i'm gonna be angry at my boss and i'm going to, next day i'm gonna quit and give him the what for and then i have a connect group that night and i talk to somebody afterward and this is what i'm thinking about doing and they pull me aside and go hey um can we talk before you go in there And after we talk and pray for a while, it's like, wow, that could go really, really, really wrong. But if I wouldn't have had a friend and if I wouldn't have spent some time cooling off and if I wouldn't have had a chance to talk this through, maybe I wouldn't have had the strength to resist the devil and his schemes because he's whispering in my ear the whole time, quit, tell your boss off, yeah. But now we know and we must resist him. So, God will punish the devil forever in hell. Secondly, God will restore creation to perfection forever in heaven. Eden was lost. In heaven, Eden will be regained. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. John writing again after he'd seen the devil punishment, he wrote, punished, and received that. Punishment forever in hell, he wrote, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll remove all their sorrows. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For the old world and its evils are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making all things new. And will you circle the word new? He's making all things new. We live in a fallen world. This world is broken. It was right and it fell. But here's the good news the curse will be done away with, and in heaven, perfection and paradise will be restored. And we can go there through a personal relationship with Jesus. I mean, this is our hope, this is our promise. There's more than just this life. But if you talk to many people in our world, they go, well, things had not to be that way and we've got to fix things because this life is all you have. You only go around once. Well, that's true. You only go around once, but your soul will live forever. And so the Bible says, no, no, no. There's more to life than just this world. You need to be preparing for the next. And so I give you good news. There's heaven. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus told his disciples. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Look, I'm standing here in Prattville, it is the preferred community, I know all that. But this is not heaven, can we all agree on that? This is Prattville. It's close, but we're not there. And so the good news is, the devil will be punished forever, and Eden will be restored. The third piece of good news I give you this morning is this. God wants to make us new through a personal relationship with Jesus. Instead of us, or right above that, you can write your own name. God wants to make John new through a personal relationship with Jesus. This is what it means to become a Christian. It's to come to Christ and say, Hey, I want the hope of eternal life. I want to be all that God wanted me to be. I want the strength inside of me to resist the devil. I don't want to keep making evil choices. I mean, there's pain and suffering because of the devil. There's pain and suffering because of a fallen world. And there's pain and suffering because of me. But what if God could change me, fix me, make me new from the inside out? Can that happen? You bet it can. 2 Corinthians 5, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, you can circle that, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You could circle that. The old life is gone. A new life, you could circle that, has begun. I hope you're seeing a pattern here. New life, new person, new life. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so we could be made right with God through Christ. And if you come to Christ, he'll forgive you your sins. He'll place his Holy Spirit inside of you and he'll change you from the inside out, not only to prepare you for heaven someday, but so you can be doing his will this day. He'll give you the desire to obey him and the strength to do it. If that sounds like a good deal to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? We live in a fallen world. God's going to set the world right one day in heaven. The devil tempts us. God's going to punish him forever. We make foolish and sinful and wicked choices. God will forgive us of our sins and change us from the inside out, so we'll stop being that way and we'll become the people we always wanted to be. In fact, better than we could even dream of. And that brings us to the last life application. In order to do that, we must surrender our lives to Christ. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now John, what are you talking about with surrender? I'm talking about doing the exact opposite of what Adam and Eve did. In the story of the garden, when they were tempted to eat of the fruit, the temptation was God's ways aren't as good. Go your own way. And so when they ate of the fruit, they said my ways better. Then after they ate of it and they realized what they've done, they went and hid. And when they were found out, they blamed each other and pointed fingers, making excuses. So to surrender to Christ is to do the exact opposite of that. It's to come and say, God, I've been eating forbidden fruit. I've been making my own choices. I'm wrong. Lord, your way's better, and I surrender to you. And Lord, I'm not going to point fingers at anybody else. I'm going to take responsibility for my own life. I'm a sinner, Lord, and I need a Savior. Forgive me. I surrender my life to you. And thirdly, I'm not going to go hide. I'm coming to you freely today. I come and I give my life to you, Lord. Save me. I surrender my life to you. Adam hid. Adam blamed. Adam said his way is better. And Jesus said, enough of that. I've come to rescue you. Follow me. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My way is better. I'll forgive all your sins. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, I'll give you life everlasting. Quit blaming each other. Come to me. Stop hiding. Surrender. And there's new life this day and life forevermore in heaven. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, the words that I've spoken today are not easy words. They're not soft words. Some of the words are hard to hear. But Lord, we live in a real world where real choices are made all the time. Foolish choices, sinful choices. And sometimes we're the ones who make them. If there's something on your conscience this morning that you need to confess to the Lord, confess it now in a moment of silence and say, God, you know the sin that is on my heart. You know what I said. You know what I did. Lord, you know the good that I didn't do. And God, I confess my sins to you. In a moment of silence, if there's a sin that God has brought to mind, confess it now and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. I know what I did was wrong. Father, we ask that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's all around us, whispering things in our ears, lies, falsehoods, manipulations. And, oh God, I pray that we will resist him. I pray that you will give us strength and you will enable us to see the truth. I pray, Lord, you would give us good friendships with other Christians who can help us and stand by us and guard us, warn us. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, Lord, I pray that you will use the trials and difficulties of this life to prepare our souls for eternal life with you in heaven. Lord, I thank you for the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. No more weeds, no more death, no more hurricanes, no more pain. And, God, all this is possible because of you and your gracious gift through Lord Jesus. I thank you for the promise of heaven. And I thank you, Lord, the devil will get his in hell. Father, I pray that you will allow me to serve you faithfully. Make me new every day. Father, show me how you want me to live. We thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord. We pray these things together in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.